Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Escape the Cage podcast. My name is Chuck Ellis, and first off, I want to tell you how prepared this woman is who I am interviewing today. She has, like, you probably can't see it all, but she's got a full-on bio that she can send you, and she's got suggested questions. This woman is prepared, and as a podcaster and a fledgling podcaster, this is a dream. So let me uh, go ahead and introduce you to Denise Walsh, and I'm going to give her the formal intro. She's a proud wife and mother, former clinical psychologist, motivational speaker, multi-million dollar earning serial entrepreneur. She started her career in clinical psychology, but left her practice or left her practice to pursue a successful career in direct sales. And her impact as a leader in that field, coupled with her experience as a life and dream coach, has given her the unique ability to help people tap into their ultimate potential. Now, that is a statement. And, Denise, before I, uh, before I thank you for coming on, um, and that's what I was telling people when I uh, was promoting the podcast here today. I was saying to them, hey, you know, if you're – because one of the things that really resonated with me and you was – the living your level 10 life in all those different areas. And I think that's one of the things that most people can relate to. So I'm sure we'll talk about that and many other things. You've had a, a vast journey, but first off, welcome, Denise Walsh. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to connect with you today. So um, one of the things that I really like about what you do is, I mean, there, there's lots of motivational coaches. There's lots of life coaches. There's lots of um, business coaches out there, but very few of them that I can see back it up with science. And with your clinical background, that is something you do. Talk about how you've kind of carved out your niche in this space or, or how you've really investigated medically and with, with science to back it up, how the brain really works in helping us achieve things and in all the other areas. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I got, I drew this niche or I was drawn into this niche because people would tell me they wanted something and then they wouldn't do it again and again and again and again and again. (laughs) So especially working in network marketing and direct sales, people would start a business. They want to get out of debt. They want to, and I like had a vehicle to help them do that. And then as soon as it got hard, they would shrink back into what they already understood, even if they didn't like it. So they would literally say to me, I'm dying on the vine here. I don't like my job. I'm a zombie throughout the day, but at least I know what to expect. And I got to thinking, like, why do we do this? Why do we live a life we don't love for decades? (laughs) And so I really dove into the brain and into brain science, into self-sabotage, into how our brain is wired and how, why, when we, like, stretch the rubber band a little bit, we we shrink back to what we understand. And I think because of learning the brain and self-sabotage and why we do the things that we do, it helps you in all areas of your life, whether it's health and weight loss, whether it is entrepreneurship, because we all have a glass ceiling that we hit and we got to bust through it, or finances, like, why do I make money, but I'm still in debt? You know, all of these things are really run by our subconscious programming. And so understanding that has been key in helping people gain freedom in all aspects of their life. 
what caused you to begin to study this? Was it your was it the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey and leading teams that you just wanted to discover, okay, what's the real reason behind why this happens to so many people? Yeah. I got started in the world of psychology after being a camp counselor. So I was a camp counselor in New York City. I worked for two summer well, two summers in Asheville and then two summers in New York City, and we would bus kids, foster kids from the city to camp. And I remember these kids coming to camp with their head down and their guard up, and they just, they, it felt like they were already apologizing. You know, they didn't feel worthy to be there. And throughout the summer, oftentimes they'd go home for the weekend and then come back because their foster parents didn't really want them home all summer. So we got to know them pretty well. And throughout those weeks, I saw them start to build trust. I saw them start to bloom a bit because their walls came down. They started standing taller. And I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help people know how awesome they are. And truly, I thought that was with teenagers, you know. And so when I got my first job in clinical psychology at my community mental health, I worked with teens. I was 24 years old and, you know, they could relate to me. Um, but when I started working with adults, I was like, they're just big teens too. And they don't have belief either, you know? And so when I started building my team in network marketing and working with all of these adults who had a dream or a desire for something more, but didn't know how to actually get it, I dove into this subject and it's allowed me to create programs and, you know, like, a roadmap, essentially, to help people actually execute and what they say they want to do. Like I mentioned earlier, um, what I want you to do is expand on, because is this living your level 10 life? Because, you know, there's people, the old saying, oh, you can't have it all. Well, I know you're like, BS, you can have it all. I, I have watched you, and for those of you who don't know Denise, um, she's recently – completed a very rigorous um, fitness competition, and she has regained health that I'm sure partly was COVID and partly was just, you know, we, we focus on different areas. But you've shown that you can do that with your relationships. You've shown you can do that with your health, your business. You can even evolve what you were in business, and you can evolve into something so much more that has so much more impact. And what I want you to do is talk about kind of the origins of the living your level 10 life, and then give us some specifics about how exactly we can do that, how we can figure out for what our own is on that. Yeah, perfect. So I'm going to give you a bit of brain science, and then we're going to do application. So 97% of our behavior is driven by our subconscious programming, which means it's on autopilot, which actually makes life easier because we don't have to think too much, you know? You don't really think about brushing your teeth in the morning. You don't really think about your heart beating. Like, these are just things that happen in um, in, in our subconscious. They're just they're happening under the igloo or the um, iceberg, if you will. Like, we don't quite, we're not making a conscious choice. Our habits are often really solidified in our first seven years of life. And so this is where we learn about our view of self. This is where we learn about our view of the world. This is where we learn about the, our view in relationships and where we um, stand in the world. So you'll see I, I work with trafficking and trauma survivors as well. And you'll find trauma survivors, especially childhood trauma, they will 
have repeat trauma throughout their life because their subconscious says, this is just the way it is. This is just the way life is. This is the way people treat me. And they kind of gravitate towards that, even though they consciously wouldn't choose it. Their subconscious takes them there because that's what it feels comfortable in. And so if we are living on this autopilot, um, it can be helpful if those habits are taking us where we want to go and if our subconscious is aligned with what it is we want to do. And so there are three reasons why we self-sabotage. It's like when we get out of our comfort zone, instead of making the long-term decision or having our eyes on the prize, we shrink back. There's three reasons for that. One reason is stress. I mean, you can imagine, like, you get home from work and you're like, oh, it's been such a hard day. Screw it all. Like, donuts and wine. I don't know. Um, but stress can really – it forces us to make a, a short-term decision versus a long-term decision, and we're able to revert back to old habits. Um, the second thing is our self-image. Our self-image is, again, the way we view ourselves. So you can – Say you want to be healthy, but if you view yourself as somebody who's overweight, then that's kind of going to be what your subconscious is drawn to. And then the third reason why we self-sabotage is because of our circle. So our subconscious is all, it's like it's always watching our environment and it wants to be normal. And so if our environment and the people we hang around are overweight, in debt, hate their jobs, all of that. Your subconscious goes, "Ooh, that's our tribe. I don't want to. I don't want to not fit in. I don't want to, you know, be uh, eaten by a lion or a tiger. I want to be connected to the tribe, and I want to fit in. So I better also be overweight and depressed, and you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff." And so those are reasons why we self-sabotage and why we, even if we say we want something, we don't do it unless we really start to flip those and rewire our brain, reprogram our subconscious to have a new expectation. So then there's three ways that we can flip it. There's three ways to reprogram your subconscious because even though it was like kind of hardwired in at the eight, between the age of zero and seven, that's when our body is in what's called theta state, where we're just a bit more relaxed, like a sponge, we absorb it. Um, we're not screwed for life. So that's the good news. And the three ways that we reprogram our subconscious is by um, habits, repetition, repetition, repetition. You think you learned how to drive a car at age 16, you know, not age seven. And so repetition, 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 repetition. And now you don't just think about it. You just drive to work or you, you know, go to the store and you're not consciously making decisions, 10 and 2 and that kind of thing. So repetition, habits, 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 habits. And we do a lot of habit tracking in my programs because we want to make it so normal that it feels weird not to drink a gallon of water a day, right? And then the second way that we reprogram our subconscious is through what I call hacking our home. And this, again, goes into the environment situation because your brain does not differentiate between a real or an imagined or a screened event. So it's always looking, and it wants to fit in. 
And so I know that I can put what I want on sticky notes on my refrigerator. I can put, you know, I have affirmations all over my boy's door because even if they don't read it every time they walk in, I know their subconscious is absorbing it. So hacking our home. And then the third way that we can reprogram our subconscious is through hypnosis. And this is really cool. You actually can listen to a hypnosis as you fall asleep and you're getting back into that theta state. And again, you become like a sponge and your subconscious starts to really absorb it. So we include all three of those things in my programs because consistency over time wins the game every time. And so we want it to become your new normal. I love that. And you know what? what's interesting is um, I became aware of you through direct sales and network marketing, but uh, I just watched you blossom to help so many more people because, yeah, let's be honest, it's not for everyone, but reaching your best potential is for everybody. Whatever that means for you. I mean, I'm, I'm a guy, I've, you know, I've been through 16 jobs and six careers and, you know, I would have, even though I have a broadcasting degree, I would have never, never have dreamed even three months ago I would be doing this type of stuff. But it's the big thing that I, the, the one thing that, that I point to is identity. You have to change your identity and you have to change who you believe you are. Forget who everybody else believes you are. You have to change who you believe you are because that that shapes your beliefs, that shapes your habits, that shapes what you think you're capable of and what value you bring to the world and, you know, why you're unique and, and why you should pursue the things that you want to pursue. Um, what is what is the of, – of those three that, that hold us back, you know, that, that keep us stuck, is there a most prevalent one? There is there one that you see more than others, or is it kind of all together? I do think they go hand in hand, but I do agree that your self-image can trump them all because you can do the coping skills to de-stress. You can go for walks. You can journal. But if you don't have belief in yourself, then you can do and say all the right things, and it's still not going to work. So when in network marketing, uh, people would say, or even now in business coaching, people would say, I'm doing all the things. I'm messaging everybody. I'm talking to everybody and nothing is working. Um, usually that's number one, not quite true. And number two, it's, it's the energy behind the action that gets the results, you know, and that energy behind the action really comes from your belief in yourself and what you're doing. And so you want to know that you know that you know that what you've got is awesome, that you can support somebody on their own journey and whatever product you're offering. And you want to think it's the best thing since sliced bread because that belief and that energy transfer is really what's going to be the difference between you, you know, doing the, all the things and having it work or not. So this is a business and marketing podcast. And if you're just joining us here on TikTok, I am talking with Denise Walsh. She is an author. She is a mom. She is a business leader. She is a coach. She is a former clinical psychologist. So she's done a whole bunch of things. But we're talking to her today about really getting, you know, there's an inner game of anything. And it, like I said, it all starts with the mind. So let's, let's shift gears for a second. Say somebody doesn't necessarily have a business idea in mind or they just want to reach the best version of themselves. They want to know that every day they wake up, they're getting better. 
they're probably inspiring other people if they're if they're living publicly and they just feel like that energy of waking up every day with what the possibilities of life life are talk about the different areas of life that that encompasses and i guess this is where we can kind of get back into that living your level 10 life what are those seven areas yes i love this because you're right people will be like you can't have it all. And I'm like, dang, gone it. You sure can. You can live all, you can be a 10 in all areas of life. And that's what that means. So what I ask people to do is I ask them to rate currently. Where is life now on a scale of one to 10? 10 is like, living my dream life. And one is not so much. And so you rate your life in all these areas. I'll share what those are in just a second on a scale of one to 10 and just be really honest with yourself. And I actually, this is one of the first exercises I have people do in my program and surprising to me they will message me and be like this was so hard this was so hard this brought me to tears and I think that's because we don't create the space to actually evaluate where life is right now and when we do sometimes we're disappointed and that's probably why we put our head in the sand (laughs) Um, but this is a powerful exercise because now that we know we can make changes And so those seven areas are family, friendship, finances, health, hobbies, business or career, and giving back. And so once you have identified where you currently are in those seven areas, then what I want you to do is create the space and ask yourself, what would life look like if it if my friendship was friendships were a 10? What would it look like if my hobbies were a 10? What would it look like if giving back was a 10? And what's so cool about this is that it doesn't need to be crazy. You know, like if my friendships were a 10, I would have a few people that I knew I could call if I needed to. I would go out to dinner once a month with a group of girls. I would maybe go once a week with a different friend going on a walk. Like, it doesn't need to be anything insane. It's just, huh, how can I be a bit more intentional with my friendships? How can maybe I ask someone if they want to go for a walk this week or plan a dinner, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And and for all of those different areas, you think, what would life look like if it were a 10? And then you get to ask yourself, what are some easy things I can implement now? Because like I mentioned, even just thinking, huh, it would be nice to go for a walk once a week with a friend. Why don't I text some and see who's available? You know, that's not hard. It doesn't take money. Like this is not like your dream life is not Oprah with a book, you know, like everybody's dream life is different. It's just really about being intentional about what it is you want and then going to create it. And then lastly, what I ask people to do is to pick one dream life goal. So I believe you can live a dream 10 life, but you often aren't working at them at the same time. So for example, if you have a health goal and you're writing a book and you're um, a full-time worker with a full, I mean, who knows? Like that's too many plates in the air. (laughs) And that's why nothing ever gets done. That's another, that's the stress of (laughs) self-sabotage. And so what I ask people to do is pick one major goal that's going to domino effect and impact others. And then we want to prioritize our calendar in order to make that new goal a priority. So that means other things may have to go. That means that you may have to say no to volunteering for a minute to really create momentum in your podcast. 
right? That means you may need to, you know, put meal prepping on your calendar when it wasn't there before. And so you're going to have to switch around your time to align with your new goal. But within three to six months, you can create a shift and momentum towards this new goal. And then you've created these new habits that are now your new normal and you can pick another one. And that is how you can live a dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one or two areas at a time. And I love the fact that you said three months because we live in such a microwave society. Everybody wants everything tomorrow. And, you know, even the most recent studies, and I know, I'm sure you know this, is it doesn't take 21 days really to start a habit. It's more like 100 days, and it could be as many as 360, depending on how far on the other side of the curve that you are. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all about intentions. You know, we do, like you said, 90%, 97% of the things that we do on a daily basis are done on autopilot. So there really is no intention because that intention was built, like you said, when we were seven years old. But now when we start to do things with intention and we focus on those little things, we get those small wins and those small wins lead to that belief. And then, you know, that's like a, that's like a, a boulder rolling downhill. It just creates momentum on its own. But talk about, um, and I know you're huge on this, and this has made a difference for me because there's, I've had lots of ups and downs, obviously, if, you know, through my 30 years of life um, as, an, as an adult. But talk about, um, talk about waking up with prayer and gratitude. I love this because um, it doesn't take long for you to get that perspective. It's like, you know what, life's not really that bad. You've got it pretty good. And um, it just makes your life, you just wake up as a better person every day when you're like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, there's a lot to say about this because it really does domino effect and impact your entire day. So there's two facets to kind of a morning routine or a journaling routine or gratitude in the morning or before you go to bed. And one is this act of being before we do. So often we get up and we're scattered and we're doing, if we jump into doing, checking our email, you know, all these things, turning on the news, like we're just going to, we're going to be scattered throughout our entire day. And most people have a good example of that in their own life where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm late. Now everything else is behind and that kind of stuff. And so when you give yourself 30 minutes of just breathing and journaling and listening um, either to music or something calming, you give yourself a space to be centered before you take that action, and you're going to get better results when you do that. The second facet to this morning routine or the journaling routine is that when we are in a state of gratitude, it actually, I call it care bear staring. And then I recently was told by someone, they're like, we don't even know what care bears are. <laughs> Yourself on that. Yeah, millennial example now. <laughs> yeah. But really, they just like, they, they emote, you know, they're emoting out into the world. And we are always emoting our emotions, whether it's gratitude or whether it's grouchiness. Like, we're putting that out into the world. And that is what we're going to get back. And so, when you start your day with the focus of an intention of thinking about what am I grateful for, what is working in my life. You are going to raise your vibration and have that gratitude emote or care barrister out into the world, and you're going to get more of that. 
And then I guess there's a third reason. There's a, another one that I just thought of that really connects with this as well, because um, have you heard of the reticular activating system before? Absolutely. I, oh. I, actually, I actually learned about it through you, I believe, the very first time. And then, you know, it's one of those things. Once your reticulating, once your reticular activating system is activated, you start to notice. And then every speaker that I know talks about that now. <laughs> yeah. Because you brought my attention to that. So, yeah. Absolutely. But well, to the audience what the reticular activating system is. I liken it like it's a filter between our subconscious and our conscious brain. And so your subconscious is like picking up on everything. It's like, do, 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 paying attention, what's going on. And it only brings to conscious awareness what it deems important to you. And how does it deem what's important to you? What you're thinking about. So when we start our day with what's working, um, you know, thank you for, um, for the right people coming across my path. Thank you for clients who are ready to work or whatever it is, like thank you for for opportunities that keep coming my way. We're triggering our reticular activating system to start seeking those types of things out. And again, they may have been there the whole time, but we didn't notice it until we were kind of turned on in that way. And I'm sure you guys have heard the example, you're going car shopping and then all of a sudden like you go test drive a white Tesla, and now all of a sudden you see white Teslas everywhere, or, you know, those who've been pregnant, they're like, yep, pregnant people are everywhere. They're always everywhere, but you only really notice it when it matters to you. And so knowing these things, knowing that I'm emoting, um, knowing that I'm triggering my reticular activating system, I can hack myself. <laughs> I can be really intentional about what I'm thinking about. And uh, what I'm thankful for and all of those types of things. So that way I'm using kind of these universal laws to my advantage. If you're just joining us now, we are in the midst of a podcast interview. It will be up on my YouTube, Spotify, and Anchor channels next week. And this is Denise Walsh. She is an author. She is a business leader. She is a former clinical psychologist, and now she is coaching people to be their very best. So, Denise, what I think is really cool about that is like like you said with with the cars. I never knew there were so many gray Nissans <laughs> around until I got my first one like back in 2015. I was like, man, this is a really popular car. And then you're like, no, it's it's always been there. You just haven't been trained. And what's what's really what's really good about having that laser focus is it keeps our brain from exploding from all of the data, all of the images, all of the the stimuli, because our brain couldn't possibly fathom everything that's coming at us if if we didn't have some things to focus on that are based on our priorities, our, our wants, our desires, our likes, our hobbies, you know, the, the things that make us who we are. Yeah, our brain is super smart. Our bodies are super smart. And I, I love that. It, it, it when we know about these things and when we can use it to our advantage, it's super helpful. Um, of course, the opposite is true, where we focus on our fear, we focus on, you know, losing our house, losing our job, our family, our health, living in a van down by the river, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden these what ifs and these freak out moments happen. And, and so it can be done and used in both ways. And oftentimes we use our imagination for fear instead of what it is we really want. And so, yeah, training our brain to really focus on what we want instead of the things that aren't. 
happening right now, and that fear is crucial. And as a side note, the easiest way to find gratitude is go find people that have less than you and spend a week with them. I know you've done this. I've done this through an organization that I've talked about in the past, Children's Cup and actually being on the ground with people who have much, much less than you, and you realize how good you have it, number one, and you realize you, um, you're complaining about the, the worst things. I remember one day in particular, and maybe you've had a similar experience because you've probably done a lot more of this mission-type stuff than, than I have, but my wife and I are in Honduras. We're meeting, uh, we're meeting these children, and we're meeting the children that we sponsor. And the thing is, we're we're coming back from a place where they don't even have running water. You know, they they they, they gather it in cisterns and, and they and they use it in like large quantities to help them do their daily things. And we get back to the La Quinta, which is like the luxury hotel in in uh, to get to Galba, Honduras. And I'm complaining because my water's too cold, you know, for my shower. And then what that did is just like hold up, you know, and it's all perspective. You know, if you want to find the horrible, if you want to find, you know, if you want to find all of that stuff, you can. But like you said, when you approach everything from gratitude, you can find just as much good as, as you can bad. And, and that does reshape the way you do say and think about absolutely everything. Not to mention the fact you get to impact other people more positively, you know, whenever you're the person who's sharing joy and sunshine. Cause that's the person you want to be around. You don't want to be around the, you know, the mopey person at all. So, yeah, and you'd be surprised. I am just being my normal self. I'm not doing anything special, but I'm being my normal self around the other school moms. And I've had more than one person say, like, "Oh my gosh, you're always just so happy." Or, "Oh my, you know, like it's just really funny." And I, and I think, oh. Thanks. <laughs> but I think when you practice this enough and it becomes your default, you're not, of course I have bad days. Of course I have days where I'm stuck. But I know the skills enough fast to, to be able to get myself back on track fairly quickly. And it's, it just surprises me how often people notice that because I just think it's normal. Um, but apparently, apparently that's not. <laughs> apparently there's a lot of grouchiness out there. <laughs> um. And I guess part of part of the gratitude too is, you know, we we're so hard on ourselves. That is that is, I think that is one of the, and it held me back for for decades. You know, it's like you, you you screwed up so many times. You've been through so many jobs. You've had to start over so many times. You don't use your degree. You know, there's all these things that tell you you're a failure and all the things you're doing wrong in the world. But after a while, you just have to forgive yourself. And, you know, one of the things that you always have said, and I always used to listen to you say um, when I was first encountering you, was that if you knew better, you would do better. And that's all that part about, talk about forgiveness and how important that is for you moving from that place of stuck to that place of growth and progress. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I feel like half of what I do is create space for forgiveness, but if I marketed it that way, nobody would sign up. <laughs> um, because that is huge. It's kind of like you are in a car going down a hill with the emergency brake on. And you can try harder or you can release the brake. And you'll naturally move faster. 
we cannot create, because again, we're emoting. We cannot create if we're emotionally three steps behind. And so whether that's um, anger, frustration, guilt for yourself or for others, it is something that gets to be healed and addressed. So you can, what I call like cut the emotional strings. So you can truly step into your next best self. And, and so forgiveness, another word for forgiveness is release. Um, because we're hanging on to something that's not the way it's like something happened that we wish didn't happen, whether it was because we did it or someone else did it. And we're hanging on to that, like, man, I wish it were different. And and it may be true. You know, again, I'm working with trauma survivors. Their forgiveness is not at all saying that whatever happened was OK. It's saying, you know what, it doesn't own me anymore. And that's really what forgiveness is about, what that release is about. Um, it doesn't own me anymore. And so there's affirmations that you can use when you start getting that, like, tightness in your stomach or in your chest. You know, they did the best that they could with the information they had at that time. If, um, I did the best that I could with the information I had at that time. Um, I made the best choice at that time that I, you know, had I known better, now that I know better, I'll do better, you know, that kind of thing. And it's really just offering ourselves grace because the reality is, is, there's ebbs and flows, there's good and bad, your bad situation won't stay bad forever, like there's this law of rhythm and flow that just, we're never stuck, um, and all things can be used for good. And so I've really gotten to remind myself of that. Um, I mean, I was growing my personal brand, um, harboring hurts from my past business, hmm. and I thought I could go from mountaintop to mountaintop. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Um, and it took longer than expected. And it wasn't until I really healed through some of that old stuff that I was able to step into my new self and my, you know, my new identity. And and so I think there's just a lot of truths here. And no matter where you are in life, there is most likely something that you're kind of hanging on to. And, and forgiving yourself or others is a key step. And one last thing I'll mention, I was in the midst of this transition and um, I was reading a book called Time in a Bottle. And it was basically like how to how to get what you want faster. And I was like, oh, that's me. I want this fast. <laughs> and the whole stinking book was about forgiveness. Isn't that fascinating? So if it feels like it's not going fast enough, there may be some things clogging <laughs> that we need to release from so we really can then kind of catapult into our next step. That's interesting. You, you know, what I found, because, again, when you get in this space, you start to study what really makes people reach their full potential. And so many times it's people that have been through way more struggles and way more trauma and had way more things stacked against them than I have. And so that's, that's one of the things where it's like, well, that takes all your excuses away. It could be somebody who dropped out of high school and has a six-figure business. It could be somebody who was left like Les Brown. You know, he was, he was born in an abandoned building in Miami, Florida, you know, to, to a mother who was drug addicted. And yet he becomes one of the most sought-after speakers in the entire world. You know, it, it's, a lot, it's about not letting those those early things and those things that are in your rear view dictate what's in the, in the mirror in front of you. And, um, but it's, it's almost like 
the more you've been through, the, the higher, the, the higher your, not your ceiling, but the higher your capacity becomes because it's almost like, hey, I, if I can survive that stuff, this other stuff is, is cake, you know? So it's almost like, Maybe I haven't been through enough. You know, maybe I've led too sheltered a life and I've really had it too good to, to reach the heights of these other people. But everybody's journey is different in that regard, aren't they? That is a very fascinating concept, yeah. And when you think of the grief process, and so healing and, and forgiveness, a lot of, I mean, it's all wrapped into the grief cycle, which is never necessarily ended you know you're not like oh i'm better now like it's up and downs it's over and under it's a roller coaster ride you think you're fine and then whatever but but one of the last stages of grief is making meaning so you'll see people who have had mothers you know die from cancer and now all of a sudden they're um you know running and raising money for cancer awareness or whatever or you know that kind of thing and so when you get to this place where you can say i can take the struggles that i've had and, you know, the, the burdens that I've carried and make meaning out of it, I actually find it can fuel our why, because now we have this holy discontent or we have this like, you know, this flag we're going to wave like this should never happen to anyone. And that's passion. And when we are doing things with passion and we're excited, we've got that personal vision where we are feeling like we're making a difference. Um, I mean, that's your spark. And and. So much good can happen from that. You know, any time that you're you're putting yourself out there, you're trying to make an impact. And you know, leaders are people who who raise up other leaders. Um, you know, bosses or employers and things like that. They 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 just kind of have followers. You've obviously been so um, so successful at developing communities and rallying people around a cause, what, is, what do you attribute that success to? Um, you know, I think, because you're right, it's in network marketing, you know, you have the thing of like, I'm going to teach you to do what I do, so eventually I can go on the beach. <laughs> That's where the beach money comes from. So I feel like there was never a sense of this is me. That's great or awesome. It was like this content is awesome. This this roadmap is awesome and I can teach you how to do it too. And so empowering people by number one, understanding them, asking them questions, getting to know their why. Um, the color personalities is something we've learned quite a bit about. And so understanding what makes them tick and giving them roles or helping them to kind of grow in that area has been really helpful. Um, and in fact, I'm now creating a Dream Life certification program to do exactly that, to train leaders how to lead or coach in the content that I teach. And it's about creating, like giving them a space to grow and a stage to practice on. I'm really excited about that because I do think that it's not about a one person you know, having all the answers. It's really about creating a community where everyone can tap into their gifts and offer value to. You know, we're all guides. That's really all we are, you know, and, and that's why I have always developed or I've always um, embraced the philosophy of um, invest, learn, teach. You know, I don't have to be the guy that's been around doing this for 20 years. 
I just have to be the guy who says, you know what? I learned this six months ago, and I can share it with other people. I can teach it to them, and that will actually ingrain it in me even more. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to my realm of video marketing and video content, so many people are reluctant to either get on camera or 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 jump up and say, you know, what do I bring to the marketplace? You know, what what makes me different? And and I think that's you know that, that's something that you know we all struggle with. And I know this is part of anybody who is struggling with taking that next step, going to live more publicly, or trying to share their journey with people is imposter syndrome. How do you help people deal with imposter syndrome? Yeah, yeah. I think step one is knowing it's normal. You know, like I had it too. I mean, especially when you're trying something new. And so it's normal. It's a part of the game and we just don't have to take it seriously. And, and so I think of, um, like one time I was asking my friend if she knew who Joel Olstein was and she said no. And I was like, room for everyone. And people will would connect with me differently than they'll connect with you, right? We're all going to have different types of people that would gravitate towards our content. And so there's room for everyone. So any type of fear that crops up, I'm very good to acknowledge it and say, that's annoying, moving on. You know, we want what our... We want our dreams to be bigger than our fear. If we focus on making our fears smaller, guess what happens? They get bigger. So if we can know that imposter syndrome is just part of the game and it means nothing, it's just because we're human, uh, and we make what our dream bigger, then we'll be more apt to actually follow through. And the cool thing is about getting started, you guys, is you can all, you, you will always be getting better. Always, always can't get any worse, <laughs> you know. So the cool thing is now you've got this baseline that you can grow from. But I agree. One of the things I think that can make or break someone experiencing success is how quickly they ask for help. Finding a coach, finding training, finding a mentor, finding somebody who's three steps ahead of them is a game changer because you can flounder yourself. I know when I started my podcast, I, I, had to go find people who knew what they were doing so that I could help, you know, I didn't have to figure it all out on my own. Um, When I did my book, it actually took a year longer than expected because I did try to figure it out on my own. And then I had to redo it all. So finding people who have done what you want to do can really, number one, build your belief and get you outside your own head, but give you three steps of push in the right direction. And one of the things that I have found, especially the more I have delved into this space, is that people like you who have been in this space much longer than myself, you're so willing and so gracious and so giving of your time to offer that to other people. It's that each one teach one, reach down and lend a helping hand. And I have found so much cooperation in this space. Uh, people who are like, yeah, I'll come on your podcast. I don't care if you have, you know, 120 you know, subscribers on YouTube, who cares, you know, that they're so giving of their time. And that, I think that comes from wanting to help others and wanting to impact others and realizing that has nothing to do with how successful my business is. It just has to do with that, that personal satisfaction of positively impacting other people. So on behalf of all the people that ever have appeared on my podcast, I want to thank you specifically, um, 
for being so generous with your time with, you know, with somebody who's a little bit later in this space than, than you are um, as far as, you know, learning this. But, you know, it's funny. We, we endeavor to something new, and then we, like you said, we try to figure it all out on our own, and that's that whole ego thing. I can figure this out. But think about it. Tom Brady has a quarterback coach. Tiger Woods had a shot coach. Um, you know, Ed Milet has a speaking coach. The most successful people in the world realize they can't figure it out on their own, and they're so focused on what they're good at that there are little things that they could be better at, and they realize, why am I going to try to figure that out? Why don't I hire that out to somebody because that's going to save me time and money and just heartache? And and they realize the long-term return on that investment is, you know, a more successful business, a more successful – I mean, people hire athletic coaches. You know, there's there's coaches for everything, you know, whether it's a professor, whether it's – it doesn't matter. But – I think you, you really hit on that is, and that's what I've tried to, to realize is that why are you trying to figure this out on your, your own? I mean, that's, that's like beating your head against the wall when somebody has already had a sledgehammer in their hands. Like, Hey, here's how you do it. You don't do, you, you don't do it with a toothpick and a, and a little hammer. You do it with a sledgehammer and they figured that out. And um, so, you know, that really resonated with me is like, you know, it's one of those things where, People are like, oh, I don't, I, coaching's a waste of time. That's just making money for them, and and they don't understand the impact that that coaching. What kind of what kind of impact has coaching had for you? I know we're kind of going off a little bit, but what what kind of impact has coaching had for you, and and how has it helped you? Well, you're exactly right. Anything cool I've done, I've had a coach. I don't have brain space to be an expert in everything. <laughs> so when I did the bodybuilding competitions, I had a bodybuilding coach. She gave me my meal plan. She gave me um, my workout. We did a weigh-in once a week. She kept me on track. Like I asked somebody who knew, who was an expert to help me on my journey. When um, we realized we had to redo the book, we then quickly found a book coach and she helped me redo the inside, the outside, all of it. Within three months, we got it out. You know, I mean, um, with network marketing, I had my upline who is more seasoned and corporate, and I got to work with them directly. And then what's so cool is um, I'm making this transition from network marketing into my private, you know, because you're right. I'm like, not everybody wants to join a business, but everybody needs this information <laughs> into my, pri uh, my, my personal brand and all that kind of stuff. And COVID hit, and I took, like, a year. I homeschooled my kids. I was like, I don't trust anything right now. We're going to get chickens and two dogs, and I don't know. Um, but eventually I thought, I have to go back because I love what I do. And if I'm not doing what I love, I, my soul will die. And But I knew I couldn't go back feeling like um, spinning my wheels or, like, you know, wishy-washy, kind of in both camps. I knew I needed to make a decision and run. And so I joined a two-year coaching program myself. So guess what they helped me do? Number one, did they learn, help me, they, they helped me learn skills. I was, I was learning CEO skills, how to hire, how to outsource, what to outsource, you know, how should you be spending your time? How do you create a program? All of these kinds of things. But they also kept me in the game. Because as entrepreneurs, it's so stinking easy to go, <laughs> this is hard. Um, but having something on my calendar consistently where I was meeting with other entrepreneurs filled my cup and kept my focus strong. 
So I would say having coaches has like made me, you know what I mean? Because it's truly helped me to go farther than I ever could on my own. And it's one of those things where it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you learn something, then you feel better teaching it to other people. And, and if you've got some skin in the game, obviously coaching is not, you know, free at the highest levels. If you've got that skin in the game, you're more likely to follow through until you get the result that you wanted. And then you become that teacher of leaders or that, you know, that um, instructor of leaders. And then that magnifies your impact, you know, overall. So that's, that's one of the things that, that I love. You know, I don't think of you as somebody who would ever need a coach. You've, you've, you've already led thousands and thousands of people. But I think that's so interesting. They're like, hey, I don't really know how to write a book. I need a coach. Or I don't really know how to run this type of business. Right. Let's quit floundering around. Let's, you know, let, let's get to that end game quicker. And so much of the time, that's lack of humility. You know, people either, A, won't seek the help, or they won't listen to the people that have the result they want when they're told, hey, this is what you need to do. It's almost like you need to have this single-minded focus of faith and just walking out on that space. Um, Well, that's a good place for us to to move toward. How important is is faith? Because we don't know the outcome. It's like John Maxwell said, you know, your your headlights only show six feet in front of you, but you don't stop the car every six feet. How how do we have that faith to keep going when we don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be? Yeah. There's this balance of keeping your vision strong while releasing how you get there. (laughs) And it's like this balance of, um, you know, trusting that the right opportunities are going to come my way, trusting. I always say when you're in dream life alignment, the how will show up for you. And the more that that has happened, like, you know, I randomly, randomly, as they would say, I randomly got asked to go speak at a network marketing, a different company's conference as a customer for dog mm. food. <laughs> my dogs were cut. My dogs ate dog food. And they said, would you come and speak at our conference about how much your dogs like the dog food? And I was like, yes, <laughs> sure. And I said, do you know anything about my story? And they were like, no. And I said, I've been in network marketing for 15 years. I know exactly how this is. So I got to go on stage and talk about how I was my, this, you know, the couple that I was buying product from. I was their business coach. I got, I mean, it kept me busy for a year. And that is just an example of the how or that next step showing up for you. And so um, having a vision of what you want and where you're going and your the desires of your heart, but then trusting that process is powerful. And the more you trust the process, the more the how will show up for you and you'll begin to trust it more. I like that. Uh, you know, it's, it's so, and this is almost like a personal question for me because I, I entered the same journey. How do you expand your mindset to where like, okay, I can represent a company and I can represent their products rather than, well, I've got ideas that are good enough to turn into products and services and I can build my own brand separate from a company like network marketing or affiliate marketing or anything like that. 
how did that process work or how did that work for, for you specifically? Because you were so identified for 15 years with a specific company that completely changed your life and was amazing. But now here you are, like, yeah. and I'm sure you got you got inside slack from people who are like, oh, well, who do you think you are that you're going to break away from this and and do something different and and um and identify yourself singularly rather than with this enormous group of people? Yeah, yeah, it was a journey. Um, it felt like Velcro, like a pivot, but it was painful mm-hmm. because these were my friends. And, you know, when I'm not act super active anymore, not going out to the trips, you know, it just you naturally aren't as close. And so there certainly was some grief. And, and it got to a point where it was like I couldn't I, – I felt like I had so much to say and so much to give the world that I couldn't not do it. <laughs> so, um, But it, there was certainly some grief. There was some – you know, I wish that I still had the passion for that. It was it would have been way easier to stay there and keep rocking, you know. Um, but things shifted and so I had to follow my heart and I had to follow that still small voice and take those steps. And at first I did flounder. Um because I was like, I can help you with whatever you want. Do you want to are, are you anxious and depressed? I can help you. Do you want to write a book? I can help you. Are you a network marketing leader? I can help you. Let's create systems for your business. Like, I, uh, I, and, and it was because I had my feet in both camps a little bit. Like, I really, I didn't know my dream client. I didn't have one specific solution I was answering. I didn't have a product that I was saying, do you want to join? I was just saying, what do you need? I'll help you. <laughs> and so through the journey, I've really learned, you know, one problem, one solution, one program, um, and I've learned how to system. I mean, I've learned a lot over the years, um, but it, like I said, it wasn't mountaintop to mountaintop. I had a growing, a lot of growing to do because you're right. I wasn't shipping product. I wasn't creating and packaging. I wasn't, we do a lot of skills in network marketing, but it's not everything. So I had to learn some new skills too. And that's, it's, it's the whole clarity thing. You know, you got to be clear because if you can't speak to one specific person, you can't you can't serve anybody. Yeah. You got to get super clear, you know. And it, it's all about your message and your communication. And you can't, like I said, you know. And that's that's one of the things where, as much as I love, you know, direct sales, they're not great at telling you to get super specific. And you know, it's like, well, just target moms or just target dads. That's not, you know, it, that's not a target market. And it's, it's that whole red ocean versus blue ocean and, and finding where you fit in. And, um, you know, that, that's one thing I try to get super specific with people is like, well, who do you want to help? You yeah. know, what, what solution are you providing? But again, it's, it's all about that clarity because without clarity, you can't develop marketing. You can't develop a message. You can't speak to those people clearly. You can't create freebies for them that they're going to they're going to resonate with and then they're going to want to give you their email address and and be marketed to and give you permission to speak with them and start a relationship and all of that stuff and yeah it's it's so much about clarity but I think it's also about clarity for you too the type of business and the type of impact that you wanted to make and you you had to maybe sit down and say okay this was good this got me to a certain point 
but now there's 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 different things and so much larger things on a grander scale that I want to do, and and that all that all started with that clarity, didn't it? Yeah, and it started with well, it started with the restlessness of like this isn't it anymore, um, and that was about two years of restlessness, and then it was like all right, I've got to do something with this because you always wonder. Should is should I is it a mindset thing? Do I need to get myself back in the game? Is the grass really greener on the other side? Do I just need to like get over myself and you know? And then eventually I got to a place where I was like, no, this is my voice or this is my still like I call it my still small voice. This is my heart speaking and it's getting louder. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I made the transition to start creating my own my own things. And I did, you know, and again, I can like beat myself up about it taking longer than expected, but I had to try to figure out how I like to run programs. I had to try things to figure out what the best delivery was. You know, I did, I did two hour meetings where I would train for an hour and we talked for an hour. Well, I learned they can watch the training piece on their own time. So when we meet, we just get to talk. You know, I learned um, instead of making a four-week program, I now have a three-month program, and I'm now making years-long program, right? Once people are in your community, you want to keep them. So I, I used to sell e-courses, and nobody did them. So it drove me nuts. And I was like, I don't – that's not why I created this. <laughs> so I had to do things to figure out what I liked. And so, you know, I think it's easy to look back and be like, man, only if. But I do think, of course, things happen for a reason. And, um, and, you know, you use it all for, for, for good, but. And, you know, it's part of your story. I mean, yeah. you can, you can share that with people as you go because there are people that are stuck and you can say, Hey, I've been there. This is what I did. This was the dumb thing I did. I didn't get any guidance and this is what held me back. But, you know, it's, it's all part of our personal story. That was one of the things that I had to learn early on because. A little bit older in this space than a lot of other people are, especially, you know, all these 20-somethings I see on TikTok and that, you know, they have these enormous businesses and marketing agencies and it's like, number one, you got to get humble and be willing to learn from anybody who can teach you. And then number two, you got you to take the watch off and stop worrying about how long it takes you to get there and focus more on how cool it's going to be when you do get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't want to delay because uh, I know you're on a time too. Where can people find you? How can, how can they connect with you? I do have a freebie for you guys if you're interested. Um, one of the uh, objections I get a lot is I don't have time. And this is often when people are feeling stressed and they've got lots of plates happening. And it's like, I want life to be different. I want to take my health seriously. I want to grow my side business. But, and so what I created was a time management tool to help you brain dump everything you do, reprioritize, and it gives you step-and-step -step instructions on how to do that. And you can grab that at dreamworkbook.com slash action. It's called the Dream Life Action Planner, dreamworkbook.com slash action. Um, and you can get that free resource. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at the Denise Walsh. Mm -hmm.